So we're going to Psalms chapter 16. Now, let me make an announcement before we get started. Everybody say, December 31st is on a Sunday this year. And we will be breaking ground for the new building on that Sunday. Amen. So come on out. We're breaking ground. Now, remember, we're doing this. We're building this as we go. So as the finances come in, we'll continue to build. I don't believe that God delivers us from one debt to get into another one. Amen. So we're believing God for a miraculous building project. Amen. Everybody say our new family life center. Amen. Amen. I look forward to it. Now, today we lit the candle that represents joy. Hey, how many of you remember that commercial that was on several years ago and uh, it advertised a credit card? And it was kind of like a prestigious thing because people would say, what's in your wallet? You know what I mean? How many of you remember that? Wave your hand if you remember that. And I, I thought about that and I, I thought about how that kind of applies to us and it's not what's in my wallet it's what's in my closet because whatever is in my closet is what I wear are there any men here today that had a little bit of assistance getting ready wave your hand if you had some assistance thank you praise God see I I go in I, I can't tell you how many times I have gone in on a morning to get ready and walked out into the living room to have Debbie look at me and say, I don't think so. <laughs> and I'd say, she said, I, I said, honey, it's in the closet. If, it, if it's in the closet, it's good to go. Because whatever's in the closet is what we tend to wear. Uh, I'm talking about a natural closet, but I'm, my reference is a spiritual one because whatever is in our closet or in our heart is what we're going to put on and what we're going to wear. So we need to be careful about what's in our closet and understand what God wants in there. In Psalms 16 and verse 11, if you would, let's go there together. This is a unique psalm because David is literally prophesying about the Messiah. This, this psalm, if you go into the New Testament, you'll see that this psalm is quoted in reference to Jesus. And so he's writing about Jesus, but the truth is, is he's also sharing his life experience. I'm not even sure that David understood the depth of what he was writing in this passage. But in verse 11 of this chapter, listen to what David says. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Everybody say this with me. In your presence, In your presence. is fullness of joy. So this is what I want you to get. Apart from his presence, you're never going to experience the fullness of joy. Now, you may experience some happy times, but see, happiness is dependent on happenings. 
And joy isn't dependent on what you're going through. Joy goes so much deeper and it's rooted in a ground that is so much more secure than your present situation. How many of you know that the scripture says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning? And so David writes about this joy. He knew that apart from God, you're not going to experience the fullness of joy. That's why when he found himself taken in sin, he cries out for God to restore him because he knows he strayed from the presence of God and he can no longer feel joy. I'm going to share a scripture with you in a moment where David's heart is just put on full display. But I thought about when you study scripture, you always see joy and God coming together. You can't experience joy apart from God. I want to show you how that God and joy go together. So David has found himself in a mess because he got his focus off of God and he he got it on a woman. And then that situation draws him away from the presence of God. Did you ever get to a point where all of a sudden you started doing a self-check to find out how much joy you're really experiencing? I've seen people live their entire life going to church and be so depressed that it was pathetic. You say, well, 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 isn't that a cruel thing to say? No, it's a cruel way to live. God never intended for us to live without joy. But what we've done is we've allowed the devil to make us think that our joy is built around our surroundings, and it's not. Joy is built in him. And so when David all of a sudden finds himself in a situation where he has drawn back from God, he begins to sense that something is missing in his life. And in Psalms 51 and verse 12 or verse 10, listen to what he says. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. What's he saying? He's saying, look, man, I got something going on and I can't fix myself. Create within me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He's saying, God, I've got to have you. I can't make this without you. I I need you to do something inside of me and, and, and change me because I can't change myself. When all of us have been, you know, sick one point or another, this has been, you know, this year for me has been kind of a, a, an odd year because, you know, I, I went my whole life never in the hospital, never as a patient, always healthy. And then all of a sudden I find myself laying up in a bed and them telling me I got something going on wrong with me. And the reality of the fact that I could not fix myself. 
And I can't tell you, well, yeah, you, you probably have already been there and know what I'm talking about, when all of a sudden that feeling of, of, of helpless to be able to change who, what's going on inside of you, but that's exactly where we were when we met God. Unable to change what was happening inside of us and looking to God to change things for us. So David is crying out, I, I got to have a new heart. I, I need you to do something for me that I can't do for myself. And then he goes on to, re say, or to say, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. When he's the same writer that said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Because David understood something about the presence of God. That's why he wrote in the 16th Psalm that apart from it, without that presence, you're never going to know the fullness of joy. But when you've got him in your life, it doesn't matter what else is happening around you. You can walk with a smile on your face and a song in your heart because he brings joy. Isaiah prophesied about this joy. In the 12th chapter of Isaiah, in verse 1, it says, And in that day you will say, O Lord, I will praise you, though you were angry with me. Your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah, the Lord, is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. What's unique here is in Isaiah, this passage, he says, in that day. When you see that phrase, in that day, it's in reference to the previous chapter. And in the previous chapter, David, or not David, but Isaiah is prophesying about the Messiah coming. That's what David was doing in the 16th chapter of Psalm when he says, in your presence was fullness of joy. He's prophesying about what's going on. And here, all of a sudden, God reaches down and he says, listen. He said, I've got something for you. And it says, now listen to what it says. It says, for you were angry with me. But then he says, but now you're not angry anymore. You, you saved me. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I've been saved. I've been saved. You, oh, you, you're not getting this. You, you, let, let, me, let me bring it into perspective. My dad told me not to strike matches. That if I did, he was going to light up my britches. And so I snuck away from my father, sat in the car, and I didn't strike matches technically. I pushed in a lighter and let it pop out. And then I took each match singly and lit it and dropped it out the window until I had a pile of matches outside of the driver's side of the car that were burnt. Your sins will always find you out. I didn't think about kicking those matches under the car. I left them there. My dad came out when we got ready to go home. We'd been at a laundromat. He's loading the car up and he gets to the car and he looks down and he sees all these lit matches right outside the car door. And he looks at me and he said, boy, you've been playing with matches. 
How many of you know that there are some people you just can't lie to? <laughs> and my dad was one of them. And, and so I looked at him, I said, yes, sir. And he looked at me understanding and very compassionate and said, you're getting a whipping when you get home. That was the longest drive home in my life. I kept thinking about that whipping that was waiting on me. We stopped someplace before we got home, and I think, and I can't remember if it was a, a grocery or what it was, but then when we got home, we were watching television, and I was sitting in the floor by my father's chair, and I thought, he forgot. I get joy. When I, that wasn't joy. I was saying, he, he, he forgot, and, and and, and, you know, and, he, he's, and all of a sudden, I felt this tap on my head. And he said, it seems like I forgot something. Whatever could it be? And he looks at me and he says, what do you think I ought to do to you? I'm telling you, if we got what we deserved, none of us would be here right now. None of us would be here right now. And I looked up at him. I thought, there's no need to, you know, patty cake with this. I knew when I was doing it, I wasn't supposed to do it. And I know what's coming. And I looked up at him and I said, give me a whipping. And he looked at me and he said, well, I'm not going to this time. And man, I can't tell you the joy that washed over me because he had been angry at me, but his anger was subsided. And he, he saved me. This is what the prophet is saying, uh, that God was angry at our sin, uh, but God has pushed his anger away from us uh, and he has brought us in to save us uh, through his son, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, and because of that, uh, I'm going to go to the wells of salvation with Jesus joy and draw some water there I was a happy camper because I got what I didn't deserve I will be filled with joy not because of my current condition but because God has brought me salvation everybody say salvation he saved me in spite of myself. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, you know you was a stinker. See, none of us, oh, I saw, some, I saw some children being real careful about saying that to their mama. I'm not calling any names, Jalen. So we, we, have to, we have to recognize the condition we were in. But what the prophet is saying is God has looked past our condition and brought salvation to us. There's a reason we have to protect our joy and not allow the devil to have it. You remember Nehemiah? Let me give you a quick history lesson. Israel has turned its back on God. They end up in captivity and because they're in captivity, now they, they you know, for 70 years, they've, they've just been floundering. But God sends his word and, and they're released. And they get to go back to Jerusalem. And they go back into Jerusalem and they're building. And, and Nehemiah shows up and he starts to help them build. And all of a sudden they've got it built and, and, and they've gathered for a big celebration. Ezra. 
the scribe is out there and he's got the word of the law and he starts reading. Everybody say his word. He starts reading the word to the people and something happens. The people hear the word and they all started to weep and cry because they saw how far they were away from God. You ever get to a place in your life where things happened and you were so taken back by it and, and, and to the point that you thought, I can't even believe I got here. I don't, I don't even know how I got here. And, and, and you begin to think, man, how can I ever look at him? How can I ever come to him? And Nehemiah shuts everything down. He said, wait a minute, man. You don't understand. He said, this isn't a day for you to be weeping and crying. This God that was angry over sin has come to rescue us from our sin. So this isn't a day to begin to look at the word and see and see and look and say, man, I can never do it. It's a day to look at the word and say, look at what he's provided for me. Look what he's done for me. And so Nehemiah shares with them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many of you feel pretty weak? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me share how we start feeling weak. It's when we take our focus off of him and start looking at us because we see how far we are from being able to be that perfect sacrifice. Can I tell you something? I don't have to be a perfect sacrifice because he became that perfect sacrifice. He paid a price so I could experience joy. Everybody say joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is powerful. And when we, we get joy, when we receive his word. Let me say it this way. We get joy when we get it. Are you with me? You know, you can pick this book up and, go and flip through it, and it can be the most boring book in the world. How do you know that, Pastor? Because it was to me. I didn't know. I wasn't born saved. I got, I got a hold of a book. I got a hold of a book. I heard about him, got a hold of a book, started reading it, and I, I just put it down. I thought, man, how can I, how can I, I don't even understand this. How, how can it minister to me? How would I ever minister it? Before I had given my heart to God, God called me out. I was in a meeting in Chicago. This guy didn't know me from anybody, called me out and said, your job is to stir the church. And I thought, buddy, you got the wrong person. The only thing I know how to stir is a pot of beans stir the church and I, and and then but then God started doing something to me started dealing with my heart and I started searching for him and I looked in here and opened it up and started reading it and I remember putting it down I said God how could I ever preach something I don't understand I I I I, I can't get this I need you to help me as I begin to pray and I picked that word back up it felt like a wind started to blow over me. 
I can take you to the place I was in Buncombe, Illinois, <laughs> in that living room floor when all of a sudden I felt him come over me. And when I got it, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> and so that's what he, Nehemiah says, all the people, this is in verse 12, all the people went their way to eat and drink to send portions and rejoice greatly. Why? Because they understood the words that were declared to them. When you understand this, and I'm not talking about a, 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 a scholarly lesson. I'm not talking about a dissertation. I'm talking about when you get this in your closet, when you get this in your heart, when all of a sudden this, this gets a hold of you, I'm going to tell you, you begin to put on joy. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I feel some coming on right now. I get joy when I think about it. Jesus came that we could experience joy. Look at Isaiah chapter 61. This is a chapter that Jesus goes into the synagogue. He picks up this book and he opens it up and he reads this passage. And he looks at them and he said, today, this is fulfilled in the hearing of your ears. Today. What was he saying? He's saying, this is talking about me. <laughs> what did it say? Listen to it. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach. Everybody say preach. Good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Any of you ever have a, anybody out there? Oh, come on in here. Any of you ever been around someone that was carrying a spirit of heaviness? You can feel it, can't you? How many of you have ever carried it? We've all been there, haven't we? When all of a sudden, man, we feel like we don't even want to get out of bed. And, 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 and that, that it just drags on us and it pulls us down. And the thing is, it's like I, I said before, you can't fix yourself. That may be a good note right there. You can't fix yourself. And so you're dependent on someone else to be able to fix you. I had to trust the doctor. I didn't. So I changed doctors. Just because you wind up someplace doesn't mean you got to stay there. <laughs> Life may take you in a, a variety of places. That doesn't mean you got to stay where you're at. You need to get some peace and begin to pray, God, order my step. And so all of a sudden, I got someplace else and I trusted. Jesus is saying, look, I came here for a specific purpose. I came to give you the oil of joy for, and, and, and for mourning. I'm getting ready to pour something on you that's going to change your outlook on life. And this spirit of heaviness that you've been wearing, I'm going to replace it with a garment of praise. I'm getting ready to, oh, here, here, got to get to his heart. Hang on. See, once you get it in your heart, it'll light up your world. 
Once you let God reach into your heart, it will begin to light your world. Now, how many of you, I, I don't mind hanging around somebody like this because I know we're going to have fun wherever we go. I know there's some joy hidden in my life. This, I want to stay away from. Now, let me share something with you. If we're not careful, sometimes we can allow things that we don't understand to become a spirit of heaviness and rob us of our joy. We go through circumstances or situations in life that catch us by surprise. And immediately you feel that spirit of heaviness trying to overwhelm you, trying to suck you in. You're not the first person that ever wrestled with that. David is a man that's after God's own heart. And David wrestled with it. David's sitting on the kingdom or on the throne. He's a king of Israel. And he's saying, man, I'm getting ready to go and get the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. And I'm going to bring it home where it belongs. I'm going to bring the presence of God home. David goes after it, and something happens that David's not expecting. They go after the presence of God. They go after the Ark. But David is going after it the wrong way. He doesn't understand the Word. You can't just handle the presence of God any old way. You can't treat it like it's no big deal. It was meant to be carried by men. They put it on a cart and had oxen pulling it. They treated it like it was something common and ordinary. And when the cart jostled and Uzzah sticks out his hand to balance the ark, God dropped him on the spot. Why? Because he treated the presence of God like it was nothing. He just sticks his hand out. You, you, he knew you're not allowed to touch that. You can't just treat God like he's just some ordinary Joe. You, you can't treat the presence of God like it doesn't matter. David sees that and his joy is gone. He gets wrapped up in heaviness. And he says, I can't bring the presence of God to my house. So he goes home without God's presence. Wow. How many times have we allowed the devil to manipulate a circumstance or a situation in our lives that caused us to go home without the presence of God? David told Obadiah and said, you, you take that to your house. Obadiah sees the presence of God and he treats it differently. How do you know? Because of what happens. 
Obadiah's got the presence of God at his house, the ark, and I can't help but see Obadiah every morning getting down on his knees before the ark, before the presence of God, and saying, thank you so much for coming to my house. I know I'm not worthy of your presence. I know I'm not worthy of the least of your mercies, but I got to tell you, I am so happy that you chose me. I'm so happy that you came home with me. And you know what happened? For the next three months, Obadiah's getting his socks blessed off. For the next three months, God is pouring out his spirit on Obadiah's house. And then David finds out. David goes, what? You mean he's still alive? He's not, he's not dead. And then he begins to search and look. Read a story. Because when David goes after the ark the next time, it's not oxen pulling it. And it's not on a cart. He goes after it and he's got Levites carrying it. The presence of God is being carried by men. Rick sang that song, Mary is the first one to carry the gospel. And that's exactly what God's intent was, that we would carry it in here. He starts getting close to home, and the presence of God is getting close. I need you just a second, right? Presence of God is getting close. And as the presence of God is getting close, if you would just stand right here. As the presence of God is getting close, all of a sudden, David starts to feel something. Any of you ever feel that before? I've been in services before where I saw people feeling it. Started out kind of in their toes or in their feet, and all of a sudden it, oh, I... What was that? Man, when, let me tell you something. When you're not used to that, and I, wasn't, I, I didn't grow up around this stuff, and when you don't grow up around it, I got in some places, and I thought, these people are flipped out, man. These people, I was in some places, and they started feeling some of that stuff, and all of a sudden, I was feeling something too, but I wasn't sure what it was. And I, I thought, and David starts to feel it. And David, all of a sudden, in one moment, gets beside himself and he casts off that spirit of heaviness. And the Bible said that David began to dance before the Lord with all of his might. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. We're going to hold it, hold it, hold it. We're getting there. Just hang on a second. What, what, are, you, what are you saying, Pastor? This is what I'm trying to tell you is that there's something powerful about joy. And when you get joy, it make you dance a little bit. When you get joy, my brother Paul, man, bless his heart, Paul would get happy. He'd start dancing all over the church. I watched him one night throw a tambourine. There's a lady playing a piano. She really wasn't playing a piano. I think she went to sleep. She, the service was going on. She's leaned over the piano. Like she ain't got a care in the world. I mean, it's like she's totally disengaged. All of a sudden, I, I'm watching. What are you doing? I'm watching. <laughs> I, wasn't a, I wasn't a participator back then. I was a spectator. And I was watching what was happening. And I see Paul. He's got that tambourine. And Paul starts going. And he threw that tambourine across the room like a frisbee. It hit that woman in the back, and she got joy. She got up on that piano and started playing that piano, and that whole place broke loose. There's something real, something powerful about joy that gets in the dance. 
Now, Ray has been diagnosed with Parkinson's. That's just a word. It's a name, and his name is above every name. But this is something, this is, hey, give him a hand clap. Yeah, sure. This is something that they told him to do. What'd they tell you? Well, the best treatment was dancing. He said the best treatment was dancing. Parkinson's is trying to rob you of what you've got. And he said, if you want to keep from being robbed, then you start to dance a little bit. And Ray looked at him and said, well, I can do that. And so Ray started dancing. Now, Merle. Merle is 27 and a half years old. How old are you? Yeah. Well, Thursday I'll be 89. Thursday, 89. I don't know how many of you have ever seen Merle do the polka. I didn't even, I, to be honest, I wasn't a fan of the polka until I saw you dance to it. And then I became a fan. But he's been poking all his life. He's, he, his wife was poking with him. And people say, oh, you shouldn't do that. David did it. David was so thrilled to have the presence of God back home that he broke out in dance. So this is what I want you to do today. If you're in this building, I'm not talking about doing the funky chicken. But if you're in this building and the devil has tried to put a spirit of heaviness on you, I want you to stand to your feet right now and I want you to get ready. What is that song? That song says, this means war. Can I tell you that when the devil shows up trying to go after my joy, this means war. I'm not going to let him have it. I'm not giving it up. I'm not giving it in. All right, David, get with it. I got joy in my soul. God is in control. I got Satan on my trail, but I'm singing all is well. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to start again here in just a second. You know, this is the thing, as I can tell by looking at some of you, you need your joints greased. What are you talking about? You do what I used to do. You watch everybody else and you miss out because it says in his presence is fullness of joy. That brother I was telling you about, he would cut loose, dance like that. I used to make fun of him when I got home. I'd say, man, you really showed out tonight. You, you, were, you, you were all over that place. And he looked at me and he said, one of these days, the spirit of God's going to get on you and you're going to dance. I said, not me. I said, give me a handkerchief and I'm fine. I cry when I'm blessed. And then one night it happened. One night, I'm in the service, and I'm up praising God, and my brother comes over, and he grabs hold of my legs, and I'm thinking, no, no. And all of a sudden, that music was going, and I'm going, no, no. And Paul said, loose him, Lord. And when he did, man, my feet started going all over the place. And, and then that moment, it changed everything for me. So this is what I want you to do. If you're in this place today, if you're in this place today and you need joy, 
you need God to touch your life, I want you to come to the front of this building right now. Right now. But I'm singing all is well He's attacking every day But I'm watching while I pray No matter the attack I won't turn back Cause this means war This means war This means Well, there it went I, I want you to hear me God doesn't play games and he knows if we are. David found that quick everything gone, but he desperately cried out to God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And God restored David's joy. Whatever you've been through, whatever's been going on in your life, that's not the end of it. When you turn to God, it's just the beginning. Those angels showed up in the sky that night to shepherds and said, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people for unto you this day in the city of Bethlehem or the city of David is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. What were they saying? They're saying, you're not alone anymore. They were saying, you're not lost anymore. You're not wandering anymore. There's someone that's come to restore you. Someone that's come to set you free. Someone that has come to bring you joy. So you got to shake off everything else and say, I am going to serve God with all I have and with all I am and I don't care what anybody thinks I'm hanging on to God somebody say it with me I'm hanging on to God joy this time of year you see it all over the place it says joy to the world joy it's not about the presence under the tree. Joy is about the presence in my heart. What God did for me. So as you stretch your hands, now think about this. Where does joy come? It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. They got joy. They rejoiced greatly when they understood the word. So if you haven't said yes to him today, you need to say yes right now. You need to make up your mind that I'm not going to let another day go by without accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I am going to experience the joy that's promised me. And if you've already done that, then you need to make up your mind, I'm not going to let another day go by without me spreading some joy. I'm going to tell everybody wherever I go. He said he anointed me to preach the gospel. He has put a word in your mouth, a word in your heart, and that when you share that word, it changes lives forever. Are you ready for some joy? All right, come on, come on up here. Everybody that wants joy, come up here real quick. Stretch your hands to heaven with me. 
Now, let me, let me ask this question because I need to get this. I, I don't want to pass over something. If you're here and you don't know him, you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior yet, I want you to come and meet me right here. If you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior yet, come and meet me right here. I'm going to hold for just a moment. Now, nobody can answer that but you. And this is what I'm telling you, is that it doesn't matter what anybody says to you or how many fingers are pointed at you. When you make up your mind, I'm going after him. It changes everything. So if, there's, if, ever, if everyone in here has done that, then this is what I want to do. I want to you to come up and we want to pray that God is going to use you as an oracle to spread joy. Are you, are you with me? Are you with me? Everybody stretch your hand up and say, God, I need you to use me. I need you. I, I need you to apprehend my life in such a way that when I talk to others about what you've done, it grabs their hearts. They feel it. They know it's real. As they sing this song with us today, Usher's going to come. We're going to just, we're going to agree when we come through here and pray for you. Are you ready? This lady's been doing missionary work for years and God's blessed her life and God continues to bless her life. You still got some joy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to spread it. Amen. Reggie, raise your hand. Say, Father, I thank you for my sister. I pray, God, your blessing over her. Use her.
Life is a lot about what you make it. What are you carrying in the closet? You know, we, we have all kinds of feelings and emotions that we hide from everybody because either, you know, I, I don't know how to articulate it or I may be ashamed of what I'm feeling or I may, you know, be afraid of what I'm feeling. But the truth is, is God knows exactly what we're feeling. Not only does he know what we're feeling, but he's able to rescue us. And so right now, as I open my heart to him, everybody just say it with me, I'm going to open my heart. I Tell me your name. Ava, Major, and your name? Jerry. Father, I thank you for Ava and Jerry. Lord, I simply pray a simple prayer, God, that you make yourself real to them in a way that's undeniable. Let them sense your presence deep in their heart. God, when they're all alone, God, let them feel your hand covering them, following them, Father, drawing them to you. Lord, so that, God, the heaviness, Lord, that they felt, God, the cloud that's tried to follow them is lifted. It's broken. Let the sun shine. I give you praise for it right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. opportunity because of this time of year it won't seem so strange to people but spread some joy you'd be surprised what a smile on your face will do for others just smile at somebody just let them know hey you know God loves you and whatever you're going through he's going to get you through yes he is whatever it is you're feeling whatever it is you're experiencing you don't have to worry because you're not alone and if God be for us, who, my friend, can be against us? We love you. Merry Christmas and spread some joy. Amen. God bless you.